Hey, everyone. Welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast. I'm Megan. I am Wendy. Happy Tuesday. We're so glad you're all here with us. This podcast is all about real life solutions for real women. But in reality, we're just two friends chatting about life. Later on in today's episode, we are going to be talking about friendships, how to maintain them, the struggles we've had, how a pandemic really affects our friendships like now. But first, we got some things to talk about. Okay. Where can you find <laughs> us outside of the podcast? MeganAndWendy.com is our website, and that is our home base for all things. You can find recent blog posts. You can find all of our podcast show notes. You can find links to all of our other social media sites. It's a great place to start. You can also join our Facebook group where we are long story shorties. And we have quite a bit of input coming from our Facebook group later on in today's episode. And of course, you can follow us on Instagram where we are Megan and Wendy LSS. And we also have quite a bit of Instagram input coming today. We've been having so much fun on Instagram this week. We would love it if you would join us over there. For sure. And we love your emails, too. You can always email us at meganandwendy at gmail.com. We want to hear your thoughts on the show, any kind of feedback, questions you might have for us, show topics for the future. We are all ears. And Wendy, I have yes. an email that came in this morning, and I told Wendy, do not read this email because I want you to experience it for the first time with everybody else. It's so good. It made me so happy. Okay. So the subject of the email is thanks for helping me appreciate Hallmark. And if you're wondering why I'm reading this on a main podcast episode rather than a Hallmark episode, we'll get there. So it says, ever since I have known the man, my father-in-law, who lives with us, has the Hallmark movie channel on the downstairs TV all day, every day, while he quilts. Yes, he's single, ladies. Let me tell you how disorienting these movies are in random snippets. My inward eye rolling was constant. I may have sighed petulantly a few times, having to share the air with Hallmark. But I like your podcast, so I hung in there through the Hallmark reviews. And then the other night I was puttering around downstairs, glanced at the TV, and was mesmerized by this lady's kitchen. My first thought was, oh, this must be the hockey movie. And you guys, I was right. <laughs> Will I sit down and watch more than five minutes of any Hallmark flick? Absolutely not. But I have a very vague appreciation for them and thoroughly enjoy listening to your weekly reviews of them. Also, and I have thought about this more than once, my grandmother had perfect porcelain skin to the day she died. Nurses would comment on it, and she always attributed it to sea breeze astringent. I oh, get you no. are very much not fans. They do have a sensitive virgin, which is slightly less caustic feeling, but I digress. I will forever start my very limited skincare routine with a splash of sea breeze in the hopes of looking even half as majestic as my beloved Graham at any age. The lady was a stone cold fox. Anyway, all of this to say, sea breeze forever. Thanks for making my morning commute way more pleasant and amusing. Now, aren't you glad I made you wait? <laughs> I am. That is so nice. Like the smile on my face right now. I'm so happy. So obviously much of this was about Hallmark, but this is the second person this week to tell us that they do not watch Hallmark movies and they listen to our Hallmark podcast episode. So if that is also you, we would love to hear from you because I find that fascinating that you would listen to a podcast about something that you haven't seen and never intend to. And it makes me happy. That makes me super happy. And I got to tell you, like, I feel this uh, person about 
never wanting to watch a Hallmark movie, but just yesterday I set the DVR for two movies that we don't have to watch for the podcast. <laughs> We're going to convert you after all. Okay, I, I would like to address the Seabreeze comment. We okay. have made disparaging remarks about Seabreeze. Here's the thing. Look, first of all, if you my skincare routine is not fancy like I use Cetaphil and CeraVe as like bookends of my skincare and as Wendy has pointed out like the CeraVe I use is basically a body lotion that I'm putting on my face um my husband uses Seabreeze on his face every single day I think it can be highly effective like any other product and I think you know everyone's skin is different my skin is real sensitive but like use what works so I didn't even know that they sold Seabreeze still yeah we have it in uh, our home. My husband uses it. Are they like, it's in the bottle? Like it looks yeah, like a micellar water? Yeah, yeah okay. it's blue. Okay. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be curious to try it. Well, I love you a know, drugstore product. Uh, me too. Me too. I would be curious to try it out of, um, I mean, listen, I want to look like a stone cold fox. Yes, so absolutely. <laughs> I'm tempted to try it out of like a, a experiment. So mm -hmm. maybe I will grab myself some today and uh, I'm going to keep you posted. Speaking of keeping us posted, we had a question come in on Instagram and a request. And it says, what was the verdict on the body lotion applicator for your back and other hard to reach spots? I hate putting lotion on anyone other than myself. Creeps me out. I'd get that lotion thingy for my husband if it works. Oh, okay. So an, an official update. The, it's called the Body Buddy. And um, we talked about it way early in one of our early episodes. And what it is, is I cannot stand to put body lotion on my own body. It's like a textural thing. I just hate it. So this body buddy, which is very hard for me to say. Do you, do you hear when I slow down <laughs> to say it? <laughs> it's, um, I can't explain what it is. It's a long strip of non-absorbent fabric and you just squirt your lotion on it and it has two handles and then you can like do your back with it it's like if you were drying your back with like a towel you know like back and forth like motion motion exactly the problem that i find with it is that it is extremely cold so you squirt your lotion on the body buddy and then you flip it to do your back and it's freezing you know when Especially anybody January. puts it, absolutely. Coming out of the shower, a nice warm shower, and you put that cold lotion on, I want to scream my head off. It's not 100% enjoyable, but it is totally effective. I think you should definitely buy it for your husband. Um, as a follow-up, she said, I just can't imagine how it actually works. My husband says the lotion is cold even when I put it on his back. Maybe I'm supposed to rub it in my hands first and warm it up. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's, Yeah. You well, just have and to grin and bear it, I think. We actually had a discussion, Wendy and I, on our own about the Body Buddy. She gave me her own update. And then she mentioned that it was cold. And I was like, I wonder if they make a lotion warmer. We've already gone down this uh, rabbit hole. And we have discovered that, in fact, they do make lotion warmers. By and large, the reviews are not good. They don't last very long. So I think the verdict is you're just going to have to either be itchy or deal with the cold. 
Yeah. I have another idea too. You could like fill up a sink of warm water and put your lotion bottle in that to warm up your lotion. I mean, this is a lot How of How long steps. is it going to take to warm through a thick <laughs> bottle of lotion in a sink of warm water? I hear I you like you're know. warming a baby bottle in like a cup yeah. of water at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been there. But I also think it's up to you to decide how dedicated you are to warm lotion. We need to talk about the finale of Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team known around here as DCC. You know, I wonder if anybody else watches the show. <laughs> Please let us know. I know at least one internet friend of ours does. We talked about the first episode several months ago. Couldn't have been that long ago. The podcast has only been around for three months, but... When it launched a couple months ago, we talked about the premiere and how it was kind of weird to see shows happening in the middle of a pandemic. So I have, before we get to the finale, I have some thoughts about how DCC managed COVID. Okay. And I think they did like an okay job. There were lots of masks, but their mask wearing was, and we discussed this, it was like, first of all, Kelly and Judy hardly ever wore a mask. Sometimes you would see Kelly wearing a mask walking into her room and then she would take it off as soon as she joined everybody in the group. That was bizarre to me. Like maybe she just wore it walking the halls. Um, they would take off their masks to dance. The reality is like they were kind of like, well, we're going to give the illusion that we have these COVID protocols. But in reality, we don't like we want to see their faces. That's the whole point of this show is to have these pretty ladies. So we're not uh -huh. willing to go that far. And they did do things like they didn't really bring anyone into the bubble. Like they didn't have their usual guest choreographers. That was all done via Zoom. Anyone who wasn't Kelly and Judy met with the girls via Zoom right up until the last episode. So they did a lot of things. They brought them into this bubble for two weeks in a hotel. Okay. I have some thoughts. I agree with you about the illusion of mask wearing because they still had a COVID exposure in right. the second to the last episode. They didn't say who it was, but somebody was exposed somehow. Uh, if I understood it, did they quarantine in the hotel there for 10 days? Did they, they stop production? In the finale, my understanding was the finale opens with them eliminating veterans, which we need to talk about. And then yes. it jumps to some like them on the field. And they said, we self-quarantined for 14 days. What I think happened is they were done. They were not going to let them stay in the hotel any longer. They were not going to give them free room and board for two more weeks. They uh -huh. sent everybody home. They were supposed to self-quarantine and then they brought them back. And then they had said they didn't have any further positives. So they thought it was perhaps a false positive. I don't know if that means that person never got an additional positive test. I don't know how often false positives happen, but there was not an outbreak among the cheerleaders. Do you think this was for show? Like, do you think the, they needed to ramp up the suspense or drama of the show so that they're like, oh, we had an exposure? I don't. And the reason I don't is because the Zoom elimination was so terrible that I can't yeah. imagine that they would have voluntarily done that, especially given that all the Zoom eliminations were vets. Yeah. Okay, no, so that's not true. That. Almost all of them. So Almost all of them. Let's talk about that. I've been watching this show for years and years and years. Me too. And rarely do they eliminate a veteran. And typically when it happens, it's not for their dance ability. She um, was underage, under 21. 
She wasn't yes. under 18. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. She was in bars, not of legal drinking age, and fraternizing with the players. Oh, I don't remember specifically, but they never really addressed. Obviously, I don't remember every single elimination, and maybe they've cut them in the past. But it's, it's rare. It's clear that they don't want to do that. They have a relationship with these women, and they want to keep them around. Now, this year, they cut four vets. They were all cut, as far as I could tell, for performance issues. There were better dancers. Yeah. And then they had this rookie class come in who's like super hungry, very good dancers, Mm -hmm. a lot of them. So uh, my heart broke for the vets that were cut. Going back a couple of weeks, the first one was Meredith, who had tried out several times, barely made the team last year. So gorgeous, like the prettiest eyes I've ever seen in my entire life. A very good dancer, but her problem was she couldn't, like, uh, what was it, like, memorizing the choreography quickly enough? Yeah. And so I think that's why they cut her this year, if I recall correctly. Then they cut poor Lily, who barely made the team last year, too, mm-hmm. who I think is also equally as adorable. Great mm-hmm. dancer. I'm not really sure why she got cut this year other than being outdanced by rookies. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, I think they that's didn't it. like her. And then poor Brennan, who, if I recall, tried out so many years, right? Yes. And I believe she was on the team for two years at this point. She was. A two-year So year she's rookie. a third-year vet, and she got cut. She was pissed. And I think, you know, they had the issue. This was their biggest issue. They're in their rooms. Normally, they are calling into Kelly's office. They sit outside. There's no, they don't have their phones. There's no time for them to be letting everybody know what's happening, right? In this case, they're all quarantined in their rooms. So as one person's being eliminated, you know, the text chain's going fast and furious. So as soon as Lily gets eliminated, Brennan knows that Lily's been cut by the time they get to hannah she knows that brennan and lily have been cut right so now they're just but she was like i don't like the direction this organization is going brennan said and i thought brennan said that yeah i thought what the heck did she mean by that i don't other than like well she was saying you're not valuing all of our other qualities outside of our dance which is fine you're dancers first yes you're ambassadors for the organization but i think what they're gonna say is like if you have their number one priority is for them to be good dancers. So if you have dancers that are on equal footing, then you say, okay, as an ambassador for our organization, then you start looking there, right? Not like, well, she's a great ambassador, but she's getting outdanced on the field every single time. I don't think that's enough to save you on a dance team. Yeah, when your job is to entertain. Well, what my biggest problem with them cutting the vets this year is that they were not even allowed to be on the field, on the grass turf, during the games. They were up on those platforms that they made. So Mm -hmm. why did it matter if they had over 36? You know, they could have just kept the vets. Like they didn't need 36 for their kick line or what. Why is 36 the number is what I want to know. I think because that's how they're opening sequence has been designed because obviously once they've done their field entry and then they break off into smaller groups around the field you could adjust for that right like if you have nine four groups of nine you could have four groups of 10 once you get to that point but they have their opening sequence and their triangle designed for 36 and they're not interested in adjusting for it and perhaps Mm. they've budgeted for 36 girls and 36 right you know 36 Mm. uniforms and 36 who knows i don't know But I do agree that in a year like this, 
I doubt the cheerleaders were traveling with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, Texas was one of the few stadiums that had in-person games. Like you said, they were not on the field. They were only on the little end zone platforms. They could have rotated girls in and out. I kind of feel like you're right. This is the year they could have said, we're going to do things a little bit differently. And given that it's COVID and given that we may have exposures and girls that are unavailable to perform... Uh Let's have a roster of 40 and say, hey, we're going to rotate because they weren't even sure they could fit all 36 on the platforms. So let's say, hey, we're going to rotate 30 girls in every week and it's going to be a lottery. (laughs) We obviously have a lot of feelings about TCC. Final news, some local news that affects a lot of people. And that is the news that Disneyland has discontinued their pass holder program. Just wiped it out. Just... They called it sunsetting. They're sunsetting the program. Our friend Emily sent this information to us via DM yesterday. And I honestly, I felt like a little sick when I first read it. Uh, uh, Clearer heads have prevailed. I mean, thinking about it, (laughs) we have complained um, to each other about the pass holder program that said we've both been pass holders. It has its issues. And in the last 10-ish years, uh, the number of pass holders has skyrocketed. And it has gotten to the point where there's no slow days at Disneyland. And it's full of locals, which is fine. But I just feel like it almost got too easy to go to Disneyland. And the crowds were out of control. And I felt really bad for anybody traveling here because... Just the passholder situation had gotten kind of untenable. And so they are going to have, they have said there will be some sort of loyalty program. I'm sure they will figure it out. Also, when you think about when they reopen for, they're going to have some COVID restrictions. They're not going to go from closed to fully back open 100%. And so I can imagine they didn't want to have to deal with, hey, I've got all these local Mickey fans. They're going to be breaking down my door (laughs) and we have restrictions. So now they're starting with a clean slate. And I honestly, ultimately think it will be a good thing. I mean, I got to say, like, I was a little bit disappointed reading it yesterday. But then I thought, business has got to do what business has got to do in this economy. And to me, I feel like they need that clean slate because once they are open again, like you said, like they're going to have to figure out or maybe that's what they're doing now is trying to figure out how to welcome tourists, welcome locals And then maintain a low number of attendees. So, you know, the suggestion is that pass holders spend the least amount of money um, as a general rule inside the parks. Excited to go back post-COVID, especially as they have to kind of keep things low. If Orange County can ever get our act together right now, I wouldn't go to Disneyland if you paid me $1 million based on our Orange County COVID numbers. (laughs) Oh, and I have a loan. I just pulled this info, actually, because my doctor sends this out every week. She breaks it down by city of cases. And Anaheim last week had nearly 5,000 new cases. Yikes. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by CelestealShell.com, handmade creations by Michelle, a Southern California native, just like Wendy and I. And if you've been in her shop, you know she has beautiful creations like fabric bins and book covers and masks and coffee sleeves. But what you might not know is that she does custom work. She sent us a photo of some table runners she's making. So if you have something in mind, you can absolutely send her a message and she will work with you to bring your idea to reality you can get a discount with the code lssfriends15 when you place an order in her shop we will leave a link to clestealshell.com in our show notes 
All right. Today's episode, we wanted to talk about friendship, specifically how to maintain them, the challenges we're facing right now, given that we are living in a pandemic. We posed this question to our Facebook group and our Instagram via stories last night. And one of the questions I asked to start with was, do you feel like your friendships have suffered as a result of the pandemic? And just a straight yes or no poll, 74% of people who responded said yes. Oh, um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Where would you fall? Would you say yes? Um, I would say no. I would say maybe. I don't. Oh, that's such a hard question to answer. Maybe yes. <laughs> For me, I would say an overall yes, but it's not an across the board yes. I mean, I don't think our friendship has suffered. Right. Um, I have some friendships and friend groups that have been really great about maintaining, you know, doing what we can and others that have suffered. So it's it's a yes, but not a every single friendship has suffered. Yeah, that's yes. yes, that's where I feel too. Yeah. And I would imagine that that's the majority of people, right? Not every single friendship has suffered, but we've seen an effect. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with Instagram. And we said, how do you maintain friendships in a pandemic? And we asked for feedback. Um, and we got a wide variety of responses. So Lisa says, here's what not to do during a pandemic. Move to a new state and retire from a job of 31 years. And I oh. felt that so deeply because, you know, a fresh start would be hard on its own. But a fresh start when you are not meeting people in the places you might normally meet them, like at a workout class or, mm -hmm. you know, the library or wherever you run into like-minded people. I honestly, obviously, this is why <laughs> making friends is hard. So I'm like, where do you meet people? For me, obviously, it's mostly through my kids' schools at this point. Now, some people had some great ideas, but some people said, I send texts sometimes, shrug emoji, I'm the worst. <laughs> oh, no. Another person says, saying, I miss you, and then not texting for several more weeks. This is not a good strategy. That's their Ooh. words, not mine. But then some people said, text regularly, phone calls. I make a point to reach out. We do Zoom, mail, cards, postcards. See, that's a good friend. Getting takeout and sitting in a parking lot next to each other and eating in our own cars. Totally done that. So many people said the Marco Polo app. Do you use Marco Polo? No, because I don't like talking to people. <laughs> like with your face. You don't have to use your face on Marco Polo. It could just be... Oh, wait. Oh, I thought it was video. Uh, I Marco can't Polo even was video remember. Chat. No, I don't want to do that. I'm a, tech, I'm a text girl 100%. We also got Marco Polo plus real phone calls like we're teenagers again during walks. Nope. Don't want to do that either. <laughs> Sorry. So... Have you spent, I think I know the answer to this, but more time on the phone with people, less or the same? Less, the same? I don't know. I hate talking on the phone. Do I ever call you? Maybe once a month if we need <laughs> oh, no, something. Maybe. <laughs> maybe once a month. Yeah. Um, if I ever call Wendy, I, I like start with an apology. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I needed to say this. I, it was too much to type out. Do you like to talk on the phone? Um, I don't enjoy talking on the phone, but some conversations are easier on the phone. Or I do know that like for you and I, sometimes I'll save up things to talk about for the beginning of the podcast when we're like chatting back and forth before we hit record uh -huh. because uh -huh. it's easier than like text, 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 text. And lots of people said memes. 
so many people in our Facebook group. What does that mean? Like, I know what a meme is, but like, what's that mean? You just like send something back and forth, which is so funny to me. Funny? Like, Like, do you keep memes on your phone? No, never. I mean, I guess it would be kind of like if you sent a funny card, right? Like the front of the card is funny. Sure. That's a good point. That's a good point. uh, Yeah. I don't. That's really interesting to me. And I'm not opposed to it. Like, hey, drop me a meme. I'm open to it. (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) One message says we talk via FaceTime 54,674,688 times per day. A little wow. less than normal. But if we don't hear from one another by 7.15, we send out a search party. And I responded, 7.15 a.m. <laughs> because, we, I mean, Wendy and I talk every day, but not always before 7 a.m. Sometimes uh, there'll be exchange before 7 a.m. between us. Sure. Sometimes. I'm just saying, like, it would not. I would not be shocked to have not heard from you by yeah. 7.15. I wouldn't be like, where are you? That is so interesting that people FaceTime now. Like, my daughter, who is almost 13, like, she... That's the way she wants to communicate with her friends is via FaceTime. And I I wouldn't, I'm always like a hot wreck. I don't want to like get my face on a video chat at that time. So it's blows my mind. And obviously I grew up in a time when we talked on the telephone, but I hate mm-hmm. doing that too, because I don't, it's not that I'm too busy or too important or whatever. It's just, I hate small chit chat i'd rather just like give me the meat of the conversation via text and i will respond to that yeah the only people that i talk to more now on the phone are my parents just because we went so long without seeing them yeah so tell me have you had difficulty maintaining friendships during a pandemic i know you said like it's been rough with some groups of friends but like overall what does that look like to you well i think the reason that the friendships that i have are still intact are because of the work of the other people in the friendship not me Mm -hmm. if i look back at the last year i have not been a good friend to people. Let me stop you there. How do you define a good friend? I have not been a present friend. So I have not actively been a bad friend, but I haven't, I haven't been present. I haven't been the person to initiate contact and everyone had a bad year. Everyone has had a hard year. And on top of that, there was a lot going on for me personally. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of all that, it's hard for me to think beyond myself uh, and so the friendships that are still intact are thanks to you know, other people continuing to reach out and saying, hey, let's do a Zoom over lunch or, you know, just sending messages to check in. A couple, several episodes ago, we talked about the tween trend of rating friendships on Instagram. Like, yes, how much do yes. you like me? Right. And my my friend Jennifer, who you know, she reached out and she was like, like, I'm sorry, I haven't been in touch, but I consider you like, oh, she said, I like you 100%. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm never sitting around thinking like, why haven't you gotten in touch? Because I certainly not like I'm actively reaching out to everybody. But it was such a nice, I don't know, it was a nice thing to hear. And she's the kind of person who's good about reaching out. And she even commented that she, you know, she makes phone calls, she sends texts, she sends messages on Facebook. And sometimes you guys None of these, not a single message that we got about how to maintain friendships was like, oh, my gosh, I have never thought about that before. Right. Someone wasn't like, here's the magic recipe 
right for maintaining friendships it was just like you know another person said one of my friends and i grabbed something to go like an acai bowl park next to each other and this is another one saying put windows down and chat a netflix party and i think the big message here is you just have to put in the work i mean i think any relationship is work right okay so i just had a thought Mm. you know we do that hallmark episode podcast and i Mm -hmm. think what honestly what I enjoy about it is that you and I are having this experience, even though it's like in our own homes, respectively. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we come together and like we talk about it. So like we are doing something together, but we're still, you know, isolated or whatever. So no, I that's, think that's a Go ahead. The shared experience is an excellent point. Someone said basically bitch sessions via text, which is yeah. the same thing. Right. It's like the shared experience. <laughs> like Wendy and I, that's 99 percent of our yeah. text messages are complaining about something or someone um yeah yeah. what in terms of your friendships this past year what's the biggest challenge you think you have in maintaining them real talk Mm. I don't feel like I'm liked by the friends that I have in my life and here's why so early on in the pandemic like last spring um I sent out a ton of like note cards, mailed note cards to people. I dropped off flowers at people's doorstep. Like, you know, when Trader Joe's has all their daffodils, got a bunch of those and dropped them off at houses and, you know, just with a note saying that we're thinking of them during this time. And none of that was reciprocated. (laughs) Now, I know that's like a attitude to have when it comes to friendships, but I am a human and I want... I need those people in my life to meet me halfway. Do you know? Yes. Is this making sense? Does that yes. sound terrible? No. I mean, so it, it gets like a, it becomes like a cycle for me. Like I'll do something for people and then it's not reciprocated. Then I feel like they don't like me. And then I just kind of like isolate. I shut down. I back down. I don't reach out to people. So like I, it needs to be give and take for me. That's how I operate. So that to me is a challenge. Maybe I put it on myself. Like maybe I'm creating my own challenge, but I don't know. That's where I'm at. Those, that's what I've struggled with. That is a all the time challenge for me. You know, my husband and I, we used to have people over all the time and we were always the organizers and we were always the inviters. And you get to the point Mm He was like, these people never invite us anywhere. And I mm-hmm. I am of two minds. I'm like, well, I think that some people are just organizers and inviters and people who, you know, are good at that sort of thing. And right. some people are not. And the fact that some people aren't organizing things isn't necessarily a sign that, like, they don't want to do anything. They don't value your friendship because they're not the ones initiating the contact. But at the same time, it sends a message Right. That like, yeah. And whether the message is intentional or not, that, you know, the message is, well, I feel like, okay, well, you never try to set things up. Right. So um, I can understand that. And obviously in the last year, but even prior to that kind of pulled back a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're not hanging out with anybody because we're not the ones initiating contact. I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about because there was a stretch of time, too, that we hung out with a certain group of parents um, because our kids did sports together. And I feel like we always invited them to our house. Hey, let's have pizza. Hey, let's hang out by the fire pit. Hey, let's let the kids go swimming. And we were always the inviters. And like your husband said, like, 
we never got invited back to do anything. So Mm -hmm. we like pulled back. We were like, okay, not that I thought like, oh, these people are using us. That's not the case at all. I just thought like, hey, we're always hosting and it feels nice to be invited to things too. So we're just going to pull back a little bit. And that's what we did. And then poof, like these friends are not in our lives anymore. Like, because they just it just completely like fell apart. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. I don't know. I don't necessarily realize it as it's happening until you look back and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> now that we're not initiating, there's no contact at all. Let me Go ask ahead. you this. Like, do you do you believe in that idea that you have friends for a season? What What is it? Friends for a season? Friends for a reason or whatever it is? People come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Um, I do okay. think that's I do think there's something to be said for that. Because if I look back at our friendships over the last, over the course of my marriage, for example, you know, we have friendships that have faded out for one reason or another. And in some cases, it's okay, we were neighbors for six years. And so we saw each other all the time. And now that we're not neighbors, you know, that season of our life has changed. And people have, you know, moved on. There's not, you're not 10 houses away, you can't walk to each other's houses anymore. And all of a sudden, it's not that there was some big life changing event. It's just that Mm -hmm. life circumstances change. And all of a sudden, that friendship is no longer. I mean, I've had friendships end and I've had friendships just kind of fade away. Right. So I mean, so have I. I think there's a big difference there. And, you know, the difference is, one, I would be happy to see and say hello to in Target. And another, I will turn around and walk the opposite direction. <laughs> no, I'm glad I'm not alone that I, <laughs> I do that, too. So it's funny. You said that you have a lot of friendships based on your children, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so do I. It's a weird dynamic now as our kids get older and their likes and dislikes, you know, like their friend group is changing or it does Mm -hmm. change, evolves. Mm -hmm. And how does that affect the friendships you have with their parents? Have you noticed any different? Well, I think it really shines a light on the friendships that existed purely in order to facilitate a friendship for your children, because I... My kids have been, we've been in the same elementary school since my son was in kindergarten. He's now in eighth grade. And so some of these families, you know, I, there's a lot of moms of kids, my son's age that, you know, when your kid's five, everyone's their friend. When they're 13, their friendships are a lot more defined. And so I think it becomes really clear which one of those friendships were friendships and which one of those friendships were to facilitate a relationship for our children. Right. But that's really hard for me because uh, that's that too. And a lot of those friendships I had with those moms, I think, were probably just to facilitate those friendships between our kids. Maybe I had more invested in them, I feel, because I have been like hurt by the end of those friendships. Maybe I should have just gone into it not as naive, thinking like, oh, this is just because our kids are friends, you know. So that's been really weird to navigate as my daughter has gotten older. Like I've noticed that like with new friends that she makes, I'm less inclined to be super friendly with their parents. Oh, absolutely. Well, and also the need isn't there as much right now because our kids are older we're not facilitating play dates where both parents have to be there. We're not meeting at a park. I don't think it's naive to go into a friendship assuming that it's valuable on both sides. I And I also don't think you're going to know that, right? Like when I look back at the friendships, you know, the moms that I've known since kindergarten, I couldn't necessarily have predicted 
which friendships would have lasted um, and which friendships would have gotten stronger because it's really interesting because a lot of the friendships that have gotten stronger are not the moms with kids that my son is particularly close to. So to wrap this up, I think it's very clear that we did not come here with all of the answers about how to be the perfect (laughs) friend in 2021. And I would like to make a conscious effort toward being a better and more present friend this year. And that should have been one of my you know, New Year's resolutions. And I think it goes along with my word of the year balance in giving as much as I'm taking or more than I'm taking in friendship. So I can kind of swing that balance back because the scales in my case are definitely tipped. We would love to continue having this conversation. If you have thoughts on friendship, we would love your emails. You know how much we love your emails. Um, And I think this is something that we just need to continue talking about. I think the biggest takeaway in looking at everyone's methods for maintaining their friendships is that you have to put in the work, you know, and I think there's not someone among us who wouldn't appreciate a phone call if that's your method of communicating or a text message saying, hey, I'm just checking in a little gift delivered. I wanted to point out someone said, I don't know if this is what you mean, but also knowing that it might be hard for my friend to reach out. She might not be able to respond to a text or otherwise engage right now. And then I give it another month and text again. I don't take it personally. I know that she's going through a lot too. And so I think we don't want to give our friends a free pass and say like, hey, you can be absent and I'm going to be okay with that forever. But flexibility right now and understanding that sometimes it's too much, I think goes a long way as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about good stuff. It is time for Megan and Wendy Approved. And if you like this section of the podcast, we have a fun thing coming. It's in the works. I'm not going to say anything more than that. But if you like Megan and Wendy Approved, hang tight. Okay, I want you to go first this time. Okay. Uh, For me, today I am sharing a drink, and it is called the Tazo Iced True Black Tea. Guys, it's not exciting, but I drink iced tea every single day. I go to Starbucks. I get a venti iced tea. I don't know how much money I'm wasting. So I ended up purchasing a box of uh, tea packets to make Mm -hmm. me a big old pitcher of iced tea at home. I am proud of you. Are you tea bags and you're cold brewing them or are you? Uh, No. So you um, they're huge tea bags and then you scoop them in like 16 ounces of water and then you add uh, fresh water to that to make a nice big pitcher of it. No, I am. I'm not doing sun tea because I have problems with that. Yeah. Wendy shamed me for. Making I'm not shaming ones, you. There's just bacteria. There's bacteria <laughs> that grows. You. It's just disgusting and you're going to get a worm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I now cold brew my iced tea in the refrigerator. So um, I like those Tazo teas and Starbucks has in the summer an iced peachy green tea and you can buy that pre-mixed in a box. It's like a liquid concentrate that they sell at Target and it's the Tazo brand and I quite enjoy that also. If that Wait, is does it taste... Alley. Like a brewed tea, though, or what? Yeah, it tastes like Starbucks iced peachy green tea. It's delicious. Yeah, I mean, we're just spending way too much money at Starbucks these days. So, like, I'm just trying to reel it back in a little bit and make my own Yeah, and especially if you're not adding any additional flavoring to it. It's not like you're trying, like, I think that's the perfect thing to make at home. Yeah. Okay, how about you? 
Uh, I have a hair product, and it is the Head and Shoulders Supreme Exfoliating Scalp Scrub. Wow. I used a scalp. I have tried a bunch of scalp scrubs. I use a lot of dry shampoo, uh, and it builds up on your head. And you need to use, like, a clarifying shampoo to kind of every once in a while to get all that extra product out. I have tried a bunch of scalp scrubs, and a lot of them are terrible. And some of them are, like, a gritty like in a pot that you dig out. And I don't know how you're supposed to apply that to your scalp, especially if you have a lot of hair. Like It's like Like you you would apply it to your face, but like how do you get it in between? Yeah, without just flopping it on your hair. Yeah, and they're not effective. Briogeo makes a scalp scrub that I love, but you know, I'm a drugstore person, so I have been trying to find a drugstore alternative, and this is it. You use it pre-shampoo and conditioner and you just massage it into your head and it this one lathers a little bit and i think it's designed because it's created by head and shoulders i mean it says to remove build up and renew skin surface i just think it's designed like if you have dandruff to kind of like exfoliate i use it because i you know product builds up and it does a great job and your hair feels intensely clean after shampooing so it's good for one of those like showers where you do all of the things like the scrubbing and the exfoliating and the shaving Uh, those are my favorite showers (laughs) it's like a sunday shower um Uh so i really enjoy it and if you are a dry shampoo user or a volumizing spray user or any sort of like product user you want to get in there and scrub it away every once in a while even if you're not honestly like i'm sure everyone's scalp could use a little exfoliating i know they have those like brushes you can buy off of amazon that oh yeah uh, you know what i'm talking like it's like a body Mm -hmm. brush but for your head Mm i've really wanted one of those but i might just get me some of this shampoo instead i think my daughter would benefit using it too to be honest yes All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Long Story Short, the podcast. We will be back on Thursday with our bonus episode, Girls Gone Hallmark, where we will be discussing Two for the Win, which is a skiing movie. We consider you guys our friends. (laughs) One little thing you could do is leave a rating or review. We have some new ones that we're going to share actually on next week's podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, They make us so happy. I screenshot every single one because I'm constantly checking and I send them to Wendy and it makes our whole day. It also definitely serves a purpose. More reviews mean more people can find our podcast in systems like Apple Podcasts. So in addition to doing something nice, it's also effective. And in a time where I feel like a little bit helpless, it's something you can do. (laughs) So we'll be back on Thursday. And of course, every Tuesday with a new regular episode. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.